Well, hello, Rockbridge. My name is Matt and want to welcome you at all of our campuses and all of our locations. Thank you so much for joining us in Hickson and Cleveland up in the great state of Tennessee. Thank you for joining us in Ringgold and Chatsworth, Dalton and Calhoun in the northwest Georgia area. We are delighted that you're here for our, one of our summer series. We're navigating through the book of Proverbs through our time with God, texting or the hard copy that's available on Connection Center. We're all trying to read through the 31 chapters of Proverbs over about a four or five week period, and then we're teaching about it on the weekend so we can get as much out of this amazingly practical book that God has inspired and given to us and preserved for us called the book of Proverbs. So to jump right into Proverbs 3, I want to start with something uh, that we see every now and then down here in the deep south, which are tornado warnings. And I don't know if you remember this. Back in 2011, I know a lot of uh, some of our communities were affected by these series of massive tornadoes that touched down in the southeast. Uh, over 300 people lost their lives, in particular in Alabama. And I, I was reading about this, and there was an interesting phenomenon as they were investigating why the loss of life was so high when they knew for days that a massive storm front was going to sweep through, a massive storm front that had a high, high, high probability of these dangerous deadly tornadoes touching ground in, in that belt that runs through kind of the Birmingham and up here in our area some. And, and, and yet still there were a lot, of, a lot of loss of life. Now, one of the contributing factors was simply this. Most people, a lot of people didn't pay attention to the warnings. A lot of people didn't believe a tornado was coming, and they really trusted that they could see the storm and would have enough time to take cover. And here's the problem with that. Honestly, the meteorologists will say most people don't know how to recognize a tornado. We think it looks a certain way because of Hollywood and because of images that we show you. But so there were stories of people who were looking out their window and thought they were looking at a dark cloud and then only with seconds to spare realized, no, that was a tornado. And so, you know, it strikes me something just about humanity in general that just like there's tornadoes that can touch down here in the deep south, there's storms out there that, that come in life. There's storms that, are, that just happen. There's storms that we, we, we have to deal with or we have to avoid or we have to understand that they're deadly or they're dangerous or they can rob us of our future or rob us of our best future. And, and so what the National Weather Service knows is this. Nobody plans on a tornado affecting their future. But a lot of people don't plan on it not. They just don't do anything. There's no intentionality, and, and, and so they just sort of leave it to chance. And, and similarly in our lives, there's financial storms, there's relational storms, there's spiritual storms, listen to me, that you do not have to go through. You do not have to to suffer the wind shear and the power of, a, of certain storms. Now, they're out there, and the pitfalls are out there, and the warnings are out there, and, and, and the, the, the wisdom is out there to avoid them, to prevent it, to not have to experience it. But you have to have a plan. And, and one way of thinking about this is, y'all have heard of this concept of a bucket list? Right, the bucket list is, hey, I want to do this before I kick the bucket. I want to go to the, I want to take this trip. I want to jump out of an airplane. I want to do all these kind of things. 
But you know what? In life, I think sometimes we need to have an anti-bucket list. Have you ever thought about that? Hey, there's just certain things I don't want to learn the hard way. I just don't want to have a divorce. I just don't want to get addicted to. I just don't want to have to, you know, pay, pay my way out of tons of financial debt. And so I think sometimes we need to understand, you need to have, I'm not going to be that person. I'm not going to let that happen to me. And so as we navigate through the book of Proverbs, we're going to come into a section today where, where the father speaking to the son or the king speaking to the future son or the leader speaking to the future leader, that's kind of the context, the original context of Proverbs, is going to say, hey, look, son, this does not have to happen to you. You do not have to be a casualty to this particular type of storm. And so he, he says, let's build your anti-bucket list. So, so for example, you know, praise the Lord, it's Shark Week next week, Right? <laughs> Here's what's not. Here's my anti-bucket list. This will never be me. That will never be Matt Evans. Because what he's doing is he's testing a suit on a shark bite. And that's a tiger shark. Now, can you imagine sitting around the office and like, hey, we're going to design a suit that's, you know, shark proof. Now, how are we going to test that? Hey, who volunteers? And somebody raised their hand. Okay, that, that's just not ever going to be me. And, and so the question is this. When we think about what we don't want to happen to us, we need to have a plan for it. You know what my plan for this never happening to me is? The lake, right? Fresh water with three dams between me and the ocean. This will never happen to me. Now, there's things in my story that I wish when I was 12... I had a, I'm not going to look at porn strategy, but I didn't. Part of your story is, I'm not going to take that first credit card application that comes the first moment I get a job. Some of you got married. And when you're sitting there, you know, in the, in the beauty of the ceremony and then the honeymoon's great, and, and you never thought the storm of divorce or adultery or anger, or bitterness. You never thought that would be you. But you didn't have a plan for it not to happen. You didn't have a plan for it not to strike you. And what we're going to encounter in Proverbs chapter 6 is a loving father, reflective of our loving father in heaven, who says, look, there's some storms you never need to go through. And let's get a plan, son, so it's never you that's a casualty of these storms. Now, I don't know about you, but, but think about this. I've said these things, but these are not plans. I hope not is not a plan. I hope I'm never going to get in debt. I hope I'm not going to get just killed by a tornado. I hope I'm not. The hope not is not a plan. And yet a lot of us... That's our strategy from the mo some of the most serious pitfalls that are out there for hu human beings. So if you're saying this, well, no one got hurt, that's not a good strategy either. Now, that's a sign that we're lacking some intentionality and we're rolling the dice. Uh, it, it feels good is not the best criteria for what you and I decide to do. In the moment, it feels like the best criteria. The next morning, it feels like you're an idiot, right? Amen, yeah? It's just not, it's not that, that doesn't count. And, and then, it won't happen to me is not a wise assumption. 
is not a wise assumption. So, so the big truth that we want to remember and the big truth and the big idea of Proverbs chapter 6 is this. And it's a mouthful and it's kind of crazy so you can fill it on your bulletin. But here's the big truth. It's not the stuff we do not want to do, but ha- it's the stuff we do not want to do but have no plan not to do that ends up disrupting the stuff we plan to do. Now you got to think about that, right? It's, it's the stuff we don't want to do. Who, want, who, who gets married and says, hey, I want to have an affair? Who gets a paycheck and says, hey, I want to be in bondage to a credit card company for the next 20 years? That's me, baby. Who, who stands there and says, hey, I, I, I want to go through a tornado? But we don't plan not to do those things. And then those things end up disrupting the plan that we have, the, what we plan to do, the marriage we plan to have, the financial security and generosity God wants us to have. And so that's the big truth. And it's summarized, this whole concept is summarized by one verse in Proverbs, but the Father's going to spend a whole chapter with it, and we'll, we'll join him in this. But it's summarized by Proverbs 14, 16, which says this, The wise are cautious and avoid danger. They have a plan to avoid danger. They have a plan to avoid the danger uh, of the tornado, the tornado of sexual sin, the tornado of addiction, the tornado uh, of, of preventable issues. Fools, though, Proverbs loves to kind of call us out, doesn't it? Fools plunge ahead with reckless confidence. How's this sharp bite suit going to work, you know? I mean, we just plunge ahead. I don't think that's a tornado. Oh, it is. And it's too late. So let's join the father to the son and get what God would have us to receive today from his word. In Proverbs 5, the ending of 5 transitions nicely into the beginning of 6. Here's what it says. A wicked man's iniquities will trap him. So his mistakes, his sins will become a snare, a trap. He will become tangled in the ropes of his own sin. His own lack of wisdom. His own recklessness. He will die because there is no discipline. Discipline implies a plan. Discipline implies I pay attention to the warnings. Discipline implies I'm going to avoid the problem, the danger. That's not going to be me. I'm not going to be a casualty of that particular storm. And he's lost because of his great stupidity. You know, one of, the, one of the phrases you hear me say a lot is, I'm one and you're one decision away from stupid. And Proverbs 6 is all about having a plan to keep people like me, maybe people like you, away from stupidity. So we join the Father as he talks in a spirit of love to his son. Verse 1, chapter 6. My son, his, this is the first area. He's going to do four areas uh, of, of application. He says, son, if you've put up security for your neighbor or entered into an agreement with a, with a stranger, and he's talking about backing someone financially, basically co-signing with someone might be the way we would see it in the 21st century. It's kind of called a surety. But he says, if you've done that with, an, with a stranger, you have been snared by the words of your mouth or your contract. You've been trapped by the words from your mouth. Now, look. You've been snared. You've been trapped. You have made a decision that has put you squarely under the control of another person's decision. So not only now are you one decision away from stupid, but you are now potentially ensnared by another person's one decision away from stupid. And so the first area that the father focuses on is this, irresponsible financial relationships 
irresponsible financial relationships. And he's saying, son, look, do not get in an irresponsible financial relationship where you have to pay something back that you have no control over, you have no say in. And he goes on, he expounds upon this, and he says, listen, if you've gotten into that kind of snare, if you've gotten in that kind of trap, do this, and free yourself, for you have put yourself in your neighbor's power. Because if he doesn't pay it, then you have to pay it. If he, if he goes stupid financially, then he drags you down with him financially. So avoid that irresponsible financial entanglement. He says, go humble yourself, admit you made a mistake, and plead with your neighbor. Don't give sleep to your eyes or slumber to your eyelids. Escape like a gazelle from a hunter, like a bird from a hunter's trap. Get out of it. So the first thing he says to the son is, listen... You do not have to be a casualty of a preventable financial storm. You do not have to be a casualty of a preventable financial storm. Now, there's some storms you can't prevent. You have to weather them, and God's a refuge. But a loving father who's given his kids some free will, some ability to make real choices with real consequences looks to his sons and his daughters, and he says, look, you don't have to go stupid financially. You know, and I, I would simply say God's will for finances is give, save, live. Give, save, live. But what happens is a lot of us, what do we do? We live first, save later, and never get around to giving. And we reverse the will of God. And that leads us down a path of irresponsible financial entanglements. And so a loving father just says, hey, son, before you get your first paycheck, before, before, it's, you know, before you get your first deal, let's have a plan for what's not going to happen. This tornado will not hit you. Now he goes on to another area, and he says in, in verse 6, and this one he calls his son's attention to an ant. He says, let's learn from creation, son. He says, go to the ant, you slacker. Observe its ways and become wise. Without a leader, administrator, or ruler, it, the ant, prepares its provisions in the summer. It's disciplined. It does what needs to be done when it needs to be done. It gathers its food during harvest. And he says, how long will you stay in bed, you slacker? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the arms to rest, and your poverty will come on you like a robber, your need like a bandit. All of a sudden, there's a crisis. All of a sudden, there's a problem. But it was really precipitated by the fact that you have stayed in bed more days than not. So what is this, the next area? He says, son, look, there's a tornado that can be caused by your own laziness or your complacency, or preferring the easy way all the time over the way of discipline and over the way of intentionality. So he, he says, son, listen, laziness will cause a problem. Staying in bed will cause a problem. Now, now, some of us know what this is like just intuitively, because if you ever slept through your alarm, forgot to set your alarm, set it for p.m. instead of a.m., and now what happens? The rest of your day is a crisis, the rest of your kid's day is a crisis. The rest of your co-worker's day is a crisis because you just slept too late. Now, what the father is saying is saying, listen, laziness creates problems. Laziness creates issues that are preventable. So let me, let me let's talk for a second. You can be lazy in your marriage. You can stay in bed in your marriage and never date your spouse. 
Never. You can be lazy as a dad. You can be lazy as a mom. You can be lazy as a Christian. You can just stay in bed instead of church, stay in bed a little late instead of scripture. And, and there's just this laziness that comes on, this complacency that comes on, this hunger for the easy way of life that's coming on increasingly. And, and, and the father said, look, that, that doesn't have to be you. Marriage is difficult enough. Don't make it more difficult by failing to engage, by failing to get out of bed. Parenting is difficult enough. Don't make it more difficult by failing to engage. There's opportunities, there's seasons where you have to do certain things, son. So don't be complacent, don't become lazy because it creates a storm and it's an avoidable storm. Now, there's four areas that the Father's going to focus on. Let me pause here and just give you some warnings that I think are implied and emerge from the text. The, the first warning is this. Anytime this is kind of going through your mind, it seemed like a good idea at the time. It seemed like a good idea at the time to help this guy financially and get entangled with him financially. It seemed like a good idea at the time to sleep five more minutes, to not, you know, I just didn't have the energy to play with my kid, to have a spiritual conversation with my son. I didn't have the energy to ask my wife, how could I pray for you? I didn't have the energy to keep dating my spouse. I didn't, have, I just felt like at the time it seemed good. And what happens is, is it adds up over time. You know, if you miss one workout, no big deal. You miss one meal, no big deal. You miss two workouts, meh, three workouts, meh, four workouts. Six months later, look in the mirror, right? You, you know it. You understand it. Hey, I tell you, I, I would suggest you date your spouse at least once a month. Depends on seasons, right? Age of kids, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, probably every other week or once a week's ideal. Doesn't always happen. So you miss a month, no big deal. You miss two months, not, not, hey, no big deal. Ten years later, who are you sleeping with? You're a butler married to a maid. Kids leave home. Who, who, who am I sharing the roof with? Because all we did was raise kids together for 18 years. We never nurtured our marriage. We got lazy in our marriage and aggressive in our parenting. That, that, that's what he's saying. That, that, it's, it, it seemed like a good idea at the time, but then it caught up. Now, the other thing that happens and that stands out to me about these two areas of focus is this. When the crisis comes, when the tornado finally touches down, I mean, there's storm clouds, but when the tornado finally touches down, it will feel and seem sudden, but it was always only a matter of time. It was always only a matter of time. I, I bet you, you have people in your life that you've, you see the direction they're going and you see the storm clouds and you see the warnings and you may have even tried to warn them and you know it's only a matter of time. Now here's what I'd ask you to do. It's easy to look out the window at your friend's own stupidity. It's harder to look in the mirror and embrace your own. Where in your life right now? If you keep living Deciding, choosing, walking the way you're walking. It's only a matter of time until you're ensnared, until you're in the storm and you don't have time to get into the shelter. Where might that be in your walk right now, in your life right now? If you're just being ruthlessly honest, you and the Lord, okay? You and God, God's doing business with you. Where, in the, where, right, where right now might there be just a warning? Change course. Take shelter. 
you got to do something different. That needs to sit on our souls. I've been living long enough to know this is true of me in many ways. I've sat with couples in my office. How long has this been going on? Years. It's only a matter of time. And what this father wants for his son is what I want for my two boys and what your father in heaven wants for you. There's two ways to get wise. Hindsight or foresight. Part of the reason the book of Proverbs is in the Bible, I always ask this question, why did the Holy Spirit, why did God put Proverbs in the Bible? Why did God put John in the Bible? Why, why is this in the Bible? Why, cha- why is chapter 6 in Proverbs? Why all these warnings? Why, why, what, what is he? Because he, he's like, son, you don't have to learn everything from the school of hard knocks. You can learn it from a loving God, a loving Father. He says, look, you don't have to pay the penalty, experience the storm of financial responsibility. You don't have to experience a consequence just because you were complacent or lazy with your health, with your marriage, with whatever. You just don't have to. Now, he's got two more areas he's going to cover with his son. We could think of more, but let's go through the text a little bit. We got to verse 12. He says, a worthless person, a wicked man, goes around speaking dishonestly, winking his eyes, signaling with his feet, and gesturing with his fingers. So now we've got a difficult person, difficult people. He always plots evil with perversity in his heart. And, and here's the repetitive phrase in this section. He stirs up trouble for people. The Lord hates six things. In fact, seven are detestable to him. And so this is a Hebrew poetic device. This is poetry in the Hebrew. And the seventh thing is going to be the meat of what the, what the author wants us to embrace. This is Hebrew poetry. So he hates six. Seven's detestable. So the seventh thing is kind of going to tell us really what the author is hammering home. So he hates arrogant eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that plots wicked schemes, feet eager to run to evil, a lying witness who gives false testimony, and one, he repeats himself, who stirs up trouble among brothers, among the family. What's the father saying? He says, look, there's, there's another storm you can, completely, you can avoid, and that's unhealthy associations. That's unhealthy associations. That you, 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 there's certain people that you don't need to have in your inner circle. That there's certain people that you can never experience community with as long as they are walking the path they're walking. That there, there's certain people that, that you've just got to guardrail and, and have boundaries and you're just not going to get that involved. You love them, you pray for them, you say hello to them, you don't wish evil upon them, but you are not going to let them get influence in your walk, in your soul, in your decision making, and in your path. You're just not going to let that happen. And, and, and so we have these unhealthy associations that we want to avoid. And Proverbs 13, 20 picks it up. It says, the one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. So the loving father says, look, you don't have to have, you don't have to be a companion of fools. And he lays out the symptoms that, hey, you might be hanging around. You might be coming under the influence of one who is just going to create trouble for you. And that storm is avoidable. 
Now, the last section of Proverbs 6, the fourth area that the Father says, hey, look, you can avoid this storm, is this one. Do not lust in your heart for her beauty, or let her captivate you with her eyelashes. For a prostitute's fee is only a loaf of bread, but the wife of another man goes after a precious life. Can a man embrace fire and his clothes not be burned? Can a man walk on burning coals without scorching his feet? And what's he talking about here? Specifically, it's adultery. I would put it more broadly. Because you know now, thanks to technology, you don't have to be physically in the presence of anybody to have what we'll call, this is our fourth category, misplaced sexual energy. Sexual energy that gets put outside of the marriage covenant, outside of the marriage bed. And he's saying, hey, listen, son, listen, son, listen, son, listen, son, listen. The temptations are real. They're out there in the world. The storm clouds of, uh, of misplaced sexual energy are, are all around. And in the moment, it's going to scratch an itch. In the moment, it might seem like it would feel good. In, in the moment, it's going to be there. But he says, look, you do not have to weather that storm. So he gives him that fourth area. Now, let's zoom out. Let's, let's talk big picture for just a second. What, what's he saying to his son? He's saying, son, look, let's go. you're going to make decisions today. They don't have to create problems for you tomorrow. Son, son, you're going to choose paths today with your money. You've got sex. You've got a sexuality. You've got a sexual drive. You don't have to experience a storm in that area. You're going to hang around with all kinds of people. You're going to have all kinds of people that can come in and out of your life. But you don't have to have unwise associations. And son, there's always going to be that temptation to put it off until tomorrow. There's always going to be that temptation to hit the snooze button not once, not twice, but five times. There's always going to be the temptation to take the easy way and to get complacent, lazy. But lazy, but son, listen, 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 listen. You don't have to go through the storms that those four things would create. That's a loving dad, isn't it? That's a loving dad. Reflective of a loving father who put a book and preserved it for thousands of years so we can read it today and hear, my father in heaven wants the best for me. See, listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. God doesn't just want to be a 911 call. Now, he'll answer because he's that kind of dad. But he wants more from you. He wants more for you. He wants a better relationship than that. He wants a better life for you. He's got greater purposes for you. Now, really, when you think about it, this is all about stewardship. Now, when, we, when I say stewardship, we think about, you know, stewarding our money or God's money or managing our resources. But I, I want you to think about life and, and stewardship in, in terms of your energy. You know, we're finite people. I, I don't know about you. I got to sleep, you know, at least six hours a night or I think I'm Satan. So is my wife, right? I, I have to sleep. I have finite energy. I know when I'm at my best. I know when I'm at my worst. I can only do so much. And, and God designed me that way, and he designed you that way. You have a biology that you have to honor and respect. There is no energizer bunny, right? There's no perpetual power source. We have to stop, and we have finite energy. And so here's a pie graph. And think about this. 
This is time spent, you know, sleeping, work, flex time, fun time, commute time, meal time, gym, self-care, errands, and household. Think, think of your life, you know, that side. When you create a preventable problem that now you have to expend focus and energy to get out of, that now you have to spend energy and attention to manage, to navigate. You have to deal with the storm that was avoidable. What happens? You'll probably sleep less, which has its own consequence. You'll be, your, your effectiveness in your career, in your job, in your, is less. Your flex time goes down. Your ability to take care of yourself goes down. And you just start to get crunched. And life has no margins. Life feels frantic. Life feels rushed. Because you created a problem that now you have to manage. You created a consequence that now you have to deal with. And I want everybody to hear me. I, I, that's my, everybody's got that. I, I get that. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But I want you to understand God's purpose for you is greater than problem management. Listen to Ephesians 2.10. Do you know God, saves, wants to save, God wants to save you from something? Sin. Apart from God. Forever. He wants to save you from that. But he saves you for something. And he doesn't save you just to manage your sins. He saves you to deliver you from your sins and your stupidity. So you and I can do this. We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Saved from, saved for. Which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We would move in them. Walk takes energy. Walk takes intentionality. So what is God saying? Look, I want you to look at your life and steward it in such a way that you live for your purpose, not live to manage problems. Right? In, in other words, we say it this way. God wants best energy to go to problem, purpose, not avoidable problems. Not preventable problems. Not storms where the warnings were all throughout Scripture, where the warnings were in the sky for days and days. And the wise people, the weather service would say, storm is coming, storm is coming. Why would you wait till the last minute? God wants more for us from that. God wants more for you than that. And He's got a purpose. And He wants your best going to His purpose for you. Now, let, let's talk about our church for a second. We're, we're turning 17 years old and amazing things happening, you know, Cleveland and amazing things happening with a Spanish outreach. You know, when we started this church 17 years ago, we developed an anti-bucket list because churches are not immune to this principle. Families are not immune to this principle. And, and, and what are some things that we said? What, what, was, what was the Rockbridge anti-bucket list? And what's still the anti-bucket list? Here, here were a couple of ones. We're not going to debate the authority and integrity of the Bible. We're just not going to do it. And, I, and I've had people who wanted to do it. They wanted to question stuff that, oh, we're, hey, we're just not going to engage in that. And it, what does that do? What does that do for us as a church? Saves energy. It saves energy. And we're just not going to debate that. We believe it's true. We believe it's from God. We're going to honor it. We're going to abide by it. We're going to align with it. And that's just us. And that's who we are. Uh, another one was this. We're not going to let pride or preference dictate direction. You know how many churches go south with this statement? What I want is. What I prefer is. 
I hear stories all the time. Our first core group, 25 of us, when we would meet, we had this saying that said, hey, check your ego at the door. E-G-O, ego, edging God out. We had people who preferred one dress code, preferred dress styles, preferred music styles, preferred all those things. We said, no, what's God's purpose for the church? God's purpose for the church is not to sing a type of song. God's purpose for the church is not to be in a certain type of building. God's purpose for the church is to glorify Jesus and make disciples of all the nations, period. No ifs, ands, or buts. And we're not going to debate it. And then our our third thing on our bucket list was this. We're not going to go in maintenance mode. We're, you know, the, the day, the vision of Rockbridge Community Church is, hey, we turn the lights on this week. It's probably the day we're no longer God's church. Because God gave his church a purpose. There's too many hurting people outside our doors in our six cities, in our six counties that we exist in. There's too many hurting people all over the world who need the hope, who need to know there's a good, good father who will be the shelter in the storm, but also who loves us enough to give warnings for the storms that we don't need to experience. So that's just kind of what we're about. And that's what, when we talk about Fresh Start Weekend on the 8th and the 11th, we're saying, hey, don't be in maintenance mode. Go out and share this news and let's share this God and let's share this story of what God has done for us with our communities and let's bring people in to hear about this God who gives fresh starts. Now, let me give you a couple quick handlebars about applying this principle that we've been talking about, this big truth of, hey, you need a plan of some things that you don't want to happen because they don't have to happen. Here's a, couple of, here's a couple of quick handlebars. The first one is this. Let's understand the value of a pre-decision. Do not wait in the moment to say, well, I wonder if that's a tornado cloud or not. Do not, do not wait until the girl is wooing you guys or the guy is wooing you ladies. Don't wait to, to decide where you're going to place your sexual energy. Don't wait. Just go, like, I, I wish this for my boys. I, I wish that, like, if you have a teenager, if, you have a, if you're a college student, you need to decide now. What are you going to do about alcohol, drugs? What are you going to do about sex? What's your guardrail for pornography? What's your vision for you and, your, and fi- the finances that God might bring into your bank account? What, what are you going to, you need to pre-decide. Because the first time the check comes in the mail or the check gets deposited and the credit card thing is lying there on your bed, it says no interest, same as cash, 0% APR for six months, fine print. You don't want to debate that in the moment when there's impulse because you just drove by a store and, man, I love that, I love it. You just don't want to do it. So understand the value of a predecision. Second, you need to recognize where and when protection is needed. Do you know there's some seasons in your life where you're more vulnerable to storms, preventable storms than others? I tell people this all the time, like if they're going through a tough period in their marriage and things are rough and things are dry, they are susceptible to an affair, they are susceptible to a drug. And so you just got to know that. You got to know your makeup. Some people never tempted by alcohol, but boy, money gets them, right? You just got to know where you need guardrails, where you need protection, where you need to be alert for the storm clouds. Because here's what I've found in my experience. I am really good at avoiding certain storms, but there are certain storms that I think I got it, that my strategy is hope so, I'll be okay, no one got hurt, no one found out. And that's a terrible strategy. And then finally, here's the, here's the great news. Let's praise God that his grace is always greater. And his grace is always available. So no matter what, maybe you're in a storm right now that you caused or you didn't take action to prevent. Would you hear just how good your father is? Because listen to me. He's not 
I told you so. It's not him. That's the voice of Satan. He's not, well, you're damaged goods. Just go sit in the back or don't come back next week. That's not God. That's satanic condemnation. He's not hitting the rewind button saying, oh, well, you could have, you should have, you would have, but you didn't. All right, tough. Here's what he's doing. He's hanging on a cross for you. He's offering you new life. And he's saying this through the authority of the word of God. He says, sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. That means you don't ever have to be defeated by the storm that you might could have avoided or that you might could have heeded. That means that your stupidity, my stupidity, your sin, my sin does not have to win because God's best and God's purpose are still available. Now, you have to confess and then you have to surrender and say, Father, you know best. As best I know how, I'm with you. Thank you for loving me that much. Let's pray together. God, I feel like tonight and this weekend, we just ought to call you Father. Because that's what you're, how you're speaking to us through Proverbs chapter 6 as a good father who doesn't want us to go through certain storms. And yet, God, because you're all-powerful and all-knowing and so gracious, when we go through storms that we should have avoided, you're still there waiting for us. You're still calling out to us in the storm, offering us grace and grace and grace and forgiveness and a second chance. And that means your best is still available because you're still there. And you, God the Father, you, God the Son, and you, God the Spirit, you are the best. So, God, I just pray right now you meet us wherever we are. We're looking at storm clouds. Let us take refuge in your word and in you. God, we're in the storm, and we know we shouldn't have. We know we shouldn't have. We know we missed the turn. We know we missed the signs. But God, now we turn to you in sweet surrender because you are a perfect Father. And we are honored that if we put our faith and trust in you, we are honored that you would call us sons and daughters. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.